0: Good morning, everybody. Thanks for coming out on a cold, rainy morning to hear a topic that Pastor Sam mentioned is sometimes difficult to talk about. And and so I started asking myself, why is that difficult to talk about? Like, wh- why is money hard to talk about? And some of that is because money is such an identity of who we are. It's so much in our system. Um, the love of money can be very dangerous. And I think sometimes um, it becomes part of who we are. So yes, it's difficult to talk about, but we are going to talk about it. And as we work through a few topics today, I'm going to remind you of where we were last week, and then we're going to talk about how do we recognize the philosophies of money that influence us, and then how do we live past that? How do we live out a grace-enabled gospel life of stewardship? Um, so as we get going this morning, and it's going to be a little fast, so I'll try to keep you guys awake as we go through this, um, but as we get going this morning, we're going to ask a few reminder questions from last time, and, and, and I'll just remind you of this. Is money good or bad? You guys remember the answer to that? It, de- it depends, right? It's like the question, is a fire in the middle of your living room? And I think I can get this going. Are we good back there? I'm sorry, bear with me here. There we go. Is a fire in the middle of your living room a good thing or a bad thing? Well, if a fire looks like this, it's a bad thing. And by the way, if money is ruling your heart, this is what your heart looks like. But a fire in the middle of the living room like this, especially in a morning like now, is a great thing. Um, If it's very purposeful and very contained, then God uses it in, in miraculous ways. And so we also talked about how often in our world we have a perception that this is me and most people are richer than me. But if you're sitting here today, this, this is really you. you know, we, we have the means to do the giving from a practical standpoint. If we're here today, we have those means. But more than just giving money, stewardship is about total life commitment, Because what's really easy, and if you're like me and what you've always heard growing up, is we're called to give three things, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so I'm going to do a few church things, and then I'm going to give 10% of my money. And if I give 10% of my money, that allows the other 90% to be all mine. You know, I can spend it or save it the way I want, Um, and we kind of buy ourselves out. But what stewardship is, is it's really a way of life. And we talked last week about how do you even steward things like hard challenges. You know, we heard about a dear brother and dear dear sister who are going to have surgery this week. There is a stewardship of that pain process that God will use. God uses those things. We shouldn't just try to escape. We should try to live um, a life of stewardship. And we talked about last week, what are three philosophies that influence us? And the first one that influences us is we talked about, as Sam said, the self-indulgent spender. Um, And many times we feel like we have purpose if we're able to spend money, or maybe we have purpose if we're able to save money. And what God calls is is for us to be a radical giver. And then we closed out last week. Do you remember when I had you pray and, and say, just, I want you to hold your hands out. And as we pray, we were praying this. We were praying that we would be responsive to God. And, and, and open hands before God, we would not be holding on to the things God gives us. You know, God supplying money in our lives, that's a good gift. But every good gift that God gives can be abused. It can be used the wrong way. So we want to hold those gifts with an open hand. And then we also want to be open-handed before God to say, God, place in my hands what you would have me steward well. Place in my hands what I can do to serve the kingdom. And then that brings us up to today. So we have our philosophies that we've worked through. And today, what we're going to talk about is how do we practice this lifestyle? And there's different challenges to that. I'll talk about some external challenges, some practical challenges, but we're really going to focus on the spiritual challenge. But externally, there's challenges, right? Like who's bought eggs in the past year? (laughs) Like, how painful is that, right? Um, There's a very practical reason why your pocketbook is much tighter than it used to be. There are practical challenges we simply have to work through. There's also external forces that we're going to talk about that influence us. Um, And then there's spiritual challenges. And that's where we forget certain things about God. And that's why we have challenges when it comes to stewardship And then we're going to talk about some very practical ways to live this out. So that's where we're headed this morning. But let me start with this. Some of the external challenges that happen in our world today, one of them is this. Did you know in the 1920s, the average American saw about 50 ads a day? And this was my favorite ad that I could find out there vitamin donuts. <laughs> this morning, some college students who came and helped set up chairs, we had donuts for them. I just want to tell all you guys who had a donut, it was a vitamin donut. You know, so you have pep and you have vigor. So vitamin donuts, this was an example of an ad back in the 20s. But then as things continued, and some of you are in school right now in marketing just to teach people how to view more ads. That's actually what, what the purpose is. And in the 1970s, we grew to where we saw about 500 ads per day. And some of those ads were for some of my favorite toys. I was kind of a 70s, 80s kid, and there was a Lightbright. Does everybody remember the Light Um, And then the, the classic are the Tinker Toys, Lincoln Logs, and the Tonka Trucks. And these were the ads that we saw on Saturday morning cartoons. Does anybody have a guess on how many ads you see per day today? It's about 5,000. You see about 5,000 ads per day, um, and most of them come through these means, Um, social media. um, I tried to pick out what are some ads to show you today, and some of them, most of them just weren't prudent to have in church, you know? Uh, Lincoln Log is okay, but not a lot of the ads today. But it comes through social media of all these different sources. And by the way, they're really smart with how they do these ads. So externally, you're facing these pressures of you need this, and they customize it to you. And it's delivered mostly through um, an iPhone. But not only do you see thousands and thousands of ads a day, you see things much quicker. And the world today is changing very, very quickly. A lot of you have seen this before. Where how quickly did it take to get the 50 million users of watching TV? It took 22 years to get 50 million people to watch TV. Facebook and Twitter took two to three years. Pokemon Go it was only 19 days before 50 million people. And then my all-time favorite, it took 24 hours for 50 million people to see The Chewbacca Mom. So if you've never seen The Chewbacca Mom, go look at that later. Um, But that's how quickly the world happens. And it's delivered to us over the iPhone, which is only 15 years old. 15 years ago, we didn't have this extension of ourselves that we have today. By the way, how do you steward your iPhone? Just curious. Just think about that for just a little bit. So we also face not only challenges of external pressures, we face generational challenges. And some of these I'm going to skip through um, for time's sake. But generational challenges, every, everybody here is born into a different generation, and your generation has challenges. By the way, did you know the millennial generation is the largest generation in America today? Most people think it's the baby boomers, but there's 73 million millennials, 70 million baby boomers. If you're born before 1945, you're a senior, and there's 21 million of those, and I promise you the way seniors use their money is very different than the way millennials use their money. And by the way, when you were born into this point in history, that also influences your stewardship. It influences your money based on just where you were born in time. If Bill Gates had been born 20 years before he was, he would have never been the richest man in the world because technology was not advanced enough for his skill set to be applied. So some of you are, are born into a point in time where very specific skill sets can be used very appropriately, but we all face generational challenges. And I'll skip through these four Cs of generational challenges because I want to get to the spiritual ones. But not only the generation you're born into, but we all go through stages of life. Um, And we go through stages where we're kids and everything's fun and we're in college and everything's really intense and you're making all these huge decisions about life, who you're going to marry, what you're going to do, what is your faith like. And then you go into your career stage, your family stage, and it's a very long period of time. And, you, and it's the grind. It's the over, over, and over, and over. And many people talk about the U-shaped curve of happiness where you hit your midlife, and you're the most unhappy in your 40s to 50s because of all the challenges that are happening in life. By the way, for those college students, this is your parents who are married. You started making them happy when you left home. <laughs> that, was the, that was the first step towards happiness for your parents. So for a lot of you, your parents are on the upswing now, Um, because they get financially stable and then they get grandchildren and then they retire. And oh, by the way, isn't that what it's all about? We can hit retirement and have the second honeymoon and we get to the fourth stage. And in my job and what I do, I hear this a lot. Um, It's people who have reached that point where they don't work anymore and they realize they're not going to be president. They're not going to be a professional athlete. um, They're not going to be worth $20 million. And they say this, I just want to be comfortable and that's the fourth C, the, the, the comfort game. I just want to be comfortable in life. Um, but generational challenges. And then there's financial challenges. And let me show you one. Apple stock. Apple stock. By the way, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 12 in just a minute. So this is the last thing. We're almost there. But Apple stock started trading in 1980. And here's my question. If you had invested $10,000 in Apple stock, what would it be worth today? Whisper to the person next to you what you think it's worth today. 40 plus years $10,000 invested, what do you think it's worth today? All right, it's worth about $16 million. And, and what I do for a living, I work with a lot of stocks and investments and stuff like that. And so what I wanted to show you before we get to the spiritual challenges, I wanted, I wanted to show you a stock that if you buy it today, in just a few short years, it's going to do this. Okay? You didn't think I'd actually show you that, did you? <laughs> But let me, let me say this, if within you, if within you, when I said that, or if you saw the 10,000 that's 16 million, if there was a little bit of a happiness that came to your mind, or your heart maybe got a little excited, or in your mind you said, oh, what if my parents had just done that? You know, like, you know, come on, 40 years ago, or some of you are like, I remember 1980 like it was yesterday. If I had just done that, all my problems would be solved. Um... If that was in you, even just a little bit, then the leaven of what we talked about last week, the leaven of being a saver or a spender, it's in your blood. And that's because we think money will solve our problems and we will not do something if we have money. And that is this, we will not worry. So turn to page 17 of your booklet and then turn to Luke chapter 12 in your Bibles and let's talk about the spiritual challenges that we face when it comes to money. And the way we're gonna talk about it is we're talking about two groups of people that Jesus talked to. He talked to a rich man in this passage and then he talked to poor people. And on page 17 of your booklet, under number three, we all worry, trusting in ourselves and not in God leads to two things. It leads to pride and it leads to fear. Both are examples of worrying, pride and fear. And when we have pride in our life, we have a fear a a worry of losing what we have. And so we're going to look at the rich man um, example here. And then we often have fear in our life that we're not going to get what we think we should. You see, my friends, the presence or the absence of money can cause worry. So let's look at these two examples in Luke chapter 12. And as I read the passage, I'm going to stop and make some comments. But some of you younger people said, I really liked the... um, the illustration that had the, the, you know, the picture of the prodigal son and the dad. So I found one for the rich man. So this is what I'm gonna leave up here while we're talking about the rich man. So you can reference, reference this as we go through. But the rich fool, let's read about him and we'll stop and, and make some comments. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. What did Jesus tell this rich man about life? He says this, look at verse number 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then Jesus said to them, take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told this parable, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And the rich man thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops let me stop there. That was the first question the rich man asked. He's worried. He's worried that he's got plenty, and he's worried, what am I supposed to do with this? Do you ever worry about your, your plenty? Do, do you ever maybe open up your, the app that has your checking account on it, and, and you wonder, what do I need to do with this? You know, I want to I be a really good steward, and so do I invest this, or do I pay off debt? Or, those things are really wise to think through, but if looking at that and worrying about the stock market or worrying about your 401k of losing that stored up value, then the poison is in you, all right? And then, so then the rich man says, what shall I do? And he says, um, and he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. So let's talk about the grain and the goods The grain is what they needed to eat to sustain life. Um, It's the things that give us life that we have to have, right? And often we worry we aren't going to have those. And then the second thing are those goods, those things that aren't the necessities of life, but they're the pleasures of life. And this rich man is saying, I need to store both of these. Again, there's a pride here. There's a pride along with the worry. And look what he says. He says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. This is where being rich crosses the line. Is being rich a sin? The answer is no. But, you know, the song we've been singing together, My Worth Is Not In What I Own, It says, I want my soul to be satisfied in him alone. Do You know, your soul often cries out for value and safety, and it wants to be satisfied with goods, with the ability to spend, with the ability to save. And the rich man, this is where it crosses the line. He's saying, soul, I'm going to give you life. And the song that we sang said, from my soul is the wellspring of life. From who God is and what God has done, that's where life comes from. Do you remember last week we talked about Jesus on the boat with the disciples and they were worried about the bread. What am I gonna eat? And Jesus says, why are you worrying about that? I'm the bread of life. Like like I am here with you. I am the bread of life. And so that question that I have for you Is not only what do you like to store? The rich man was storing goods and he was storing grain. Today, we we like to store up cash, investments, stuff that we buy, beauty products, fishing poles, cars, boats. But we also like to store up experiences, right? I just want to try, I don't need all that stuff. I have the the righteous view of spending. I want to travel and have experiences, and I want to store up great meals so I take a picture of my coffee or my latte before I drink it or my meal, and I store up these experiences that are really important for me to store up. And you know why we store those up is because we believe that's what feeds our souls. And what Jesus is saying is this. Look what he says to the rich fool. The rich fool wanted to eat and drink and be merry and relax. And God says to him, what does he say? What's he say here? He says, fool. He says, fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's a sobering question. In my line of work, unfortunately, I work with a lot of people who are older who pass away, and then I see what happens to their estates. And do you know what happens to 90% of the stuff you're going to accumulate throughout your life at the end of your life? Do you know, want to know what happens? No matter how nice it is, 90% of it goes to charity or goodwill. Somebody comes in, they clean out the house, and all the things that we have, we've held onto so tightly, most of your heirs are not going to want those things. They have their own furniture. They have their own clothes. Now, there's going to be certain things that they do want. But here, whose will, the, whose will these things be? That's what happens at the end of our life. But then he says this, um, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards the things of God. If we are not rich towards God, the Bible says we are fools. But not only is the presence of money that leads to worry and pride, the absence of money. So look at, look at this next passage. Jesus, immediately he turns to his disciples, and we're on page 17 of your booklet under point number two. Why do we worry? Well, we worry because we forget we have a heavenly father. We forget that we have a heavenly father. And those two points under that point, A and B, he will give us the value that we try to get for money, and he will give us the safety that we try to get for money, the value and the safety. Look what he says in verse 22. He says, I tell you, disciples, you poor people, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. And then he tells us to consider two things. So as we go to the next, this might be, the the one on the right is kind of your Zen picture. Like if you just need a little bit um, uh, to to look at the beautiful lilies that we're going to talk about. And then he says also the other side is the raven, the dirty bird. (laughs) You know, even that dirty bird is cared for. So, so again, Jesus says, consider these two things. Consider the ravens that they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. And look at the comparison he makes about us of how much more value are you than the birds. You see, your heavenly father is the one that gives you value in life. Being able to make money, and feel like a real man or woman because you make money and you have this independence, that's not what gives you value. That's not what gives you purpose. And then he goes on to say, and of which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your span of life? And if you're not able to to do this small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Well, adding more time to my life seems like a big thing. But but in God's economy and eternity, that's not. It's not a big thing. And then he says, consider the lilies, how they grow, and they neither toil nor spend. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God chooses to clothe the grass, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? He will give you the safety that you think money brings. Um, The safety that money brings as Americans has been imparted into us, Save money for your 401k, 15% a year for 30 years, and you will be financially independent. And I'm not saying those things are not important. Um, That's actually what I kind of do for a living for people is help them with that. Those things are vitally important. But if that's where your soul is being fed from, it is very dangerous. So how do we break the power of worry in our life? Well, first of all, we recognize that we are not God. Look at verse 25. It says, if you're not able to do a small thing like this, why are you anxious about the rest? We are not omnipotent. So it's on the right-hand side under letter A, point number one there. We are not omnipotent. We are not all powerful. Also, look down at verse 30. Look down at verse 30. It says this, for all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. Not only are we not omnipotent, we are not omniscient. We do not know everything but God does. So part of getting your life aligned with God's purpose of stewardship is to recognize you are not God, but you are, point number B, children of God. We are children of God that, number one, need a divine father. So let our eye on that. We need a divine father. And secondly, we have the inheritance of a divine father. And then thirdly, we have the love of a divine father. This all points back to Sam's original message on our good God and how gracious he was. And so I don't have the points up on the screen, but again, the need for a divine father, the inheritance of a divine father, and the love of a divine father. Last week, we talked about the inheritance from a divine good father. And do you remember the inheritance when the prodigal came back to God? Do you remember how he gave the prodigal four things? He said, I'm giving you a robe, I'm giving you a ring so that you have purpose in life and you can conduct business for the family now. I'm giving you shoes so that you can go out and serve. And then I'm throwing an amazing party and we're going to celebrate the work that your father has done by giving you this inheritance. And then do you remember when the elder son didn't go in and the father came out to him? Do you remember what the father said to the elder son when the son was complaining about not having a little party for his friends? The father said, You've always had all of this. This has always been yours, and you've never lived like it. Do you live apart from the inheritance that you've been promised? You say, I don't think God's going to take care of me. I don't think my heavenly father's going to take care of me. I have to do it myself. And he said, I have this inheritance. And that inheritance is theirs because I love you. Verse 32 says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That directly connects to the elder son, and the father's response to him. I give you the kingdom. So we are children of God, and we are called to action. Point number C, we are called to action. And that action, look at verse 33. Look at what this action is. He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Sell your possessions. That's tough, right? It's tough to say, I'm going to liquidate assets to give to kingdom work. We like to give out of income, right? You know, as, as, as it comes in. But once it's kind of past like the giving, you know, threshold, okay, I've already given on that. Now it's like mine. Now it's in my bucket down here. And there may be a time in your life where you need to sell assets. So sell your possessions. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't allow your heart to be like that living room that's completely on fire. (laughs) Don't let your heart be that way. Invest in others, invest in kingdom, and don't be hostage to the circumstances God has put you in. So now we're going to shift gears just a little bit, and now we're going to talk about a couple practical things and then we're going to close with actually our second point. So we're going to close on page 19 in just a few minutes, but let me hit a few practical things for you. So stay with me. You can turn to page 20, um, and we'll work through a couple practical ideas of how to look at life stewardship, okay? Um, but if you, if you leave what we just talked about, about who our Father is in our life, these, these are not going to be helpful. Like these, the power to do some of these things comes because you're recognizing what God has called you to do in the kingdom, in big picture. So let me start with this um, giving zones. Um, and I'm going to give you some examples of different zones, and then we're going to come back uh, to this chart. But first of all, there, there's two ways to look at it do I have enough income, and do I have enough wealth? You know, one of the things I don't like about Dave Ramsey, and I I said I wasn't going to pick on anybody up here, but I'm going to pick on Dave Ramsey a little bit. He's a big boy. Um, I like some of his practical ways to go about it. What I don't like at the end is he talks about just accumulating wealth. The goal is wealth accumulation, and that's not what we're called to do. At some point, we have accumulated plenty, and that allows us to be radical givers. So if you're in zone four and you have a really good income and you have plenty of assets, you should be a radical giver. You should be radically giving. If you're in zone one, and, and, and some examples of who's in the different zones would be this. Like zone one, maybe you have a large family or you're a single wage earner, maybe a college student, maybe you're in a geographic location, COL means cost of living where the cost of living is really high, um, or maybe you're a fixed income retiree. If you're in zone one, you should be saving a little bit and you should be giving a little bit. You should be adjusting your life. It doesn't, you you might not be able to give radically. And by the way, God doesn't call everybody to be able to to do that. But God does call all of us to be part of that kingdom giving. So even in zone one, you give a little, save a little. Zone two, does anybody know what a dink is? Dual income, no kids. So maybe you're a young couple, you have a good income. um, You don't have a lot of assets, but you have a really good income. A Henry, a Henry is high earner, not rich yet. Um, and so maybe you're a Henry as a family, or maybe you're a young professional. Um, and again, you have a big income, not a lot of assets. You should be saving a lot and giving a lot. Maybe you're in, in zone number three, an older professional. Maybe you've benefited from an estate, etc. Maybe you have a large re, you know, pension plan, something that's paying. You should not be saving anything in that category. If you have plenty of income coming in, you shouldn't be saving anything, but you should be giving a lot And then maybe you have substantial net worth, very high income. You should be in that zone number four, radically giving. So examine the zones you're in and make sure that you are being prudent in each of those. And so when it comes to debt, you all know this, be very cautious about debt. Um, Don't have consumer debt. That's all I'm going to say about don't have credit card debt. Um, But if you do, pay it off and then be prudent about home ownership, saving for retirement, saving for education for children. Um, but then as you get to the top of that pyramid, you have to stop saying, I'm accumulating just to accumulate. I'm going to be radical um, in my giving. And so a few more practical steps towards stewardship. Have an emergency fund. You all know this. Um, be in a position in a budget that allows you to give generously and save a reasonable amount. Um, you have to spend money. <laughs> like, I know that's painful for some of you to spend money, but you have to spend money, but you can be wise um, about that. But live within a budget that allows you to do all those things. Um, and then give, um, give, give of your time, give of your abilities, give of yourself. All those are important, but I'm just going to be very blunt. Giving cash out of your pocket or out of your checking account is very different than just coming to chair set up once a month you know, or, or, or serving in, in church in some ways. Those things are all important, but there is something inside of all of us that giving cash is important. So I'll just show you one quick um, uh, analysis of this. Uh, when you look at um, giving as a percentage of income, a couple interesting facts. In Greenville County, the average household in Greenville County, not the average person, but the average household has an income of about $65,000 a year. The average household that has a college degree, college educated, is about 105000 So if we're kind of looking at our church, I know there's a lot of college students here, but if you kind of look at our church in that sixty dollars to $100,000 range, this just kind of shows you, if I'm giving 10, 15, 20%, what those numbers kind of look like, I would just encourage you to take the card that, that Sam mentioned and, and take time looking through that and recognizing where am I in my budget? Um, is this part of what we're doing as a family? There is nothing wrong with planning out your giving like this. This has to be part of it. If you don't think about it in some of these ways, it's not going um, to usually work. It's usually going to be um, unpurposeful. So page 22 outlines a few, of those, a few of those things together. So in closing, A True Life of Stewardship, if you have your, hand, if your booklet, please turn back to page 19. And we're going to close with this Because what we've laid out is this. Last week, we talked about these philosophies that that come into our thinking, and Jesus talked about them being leaven, you know, the little bit that sneaks into our way of thinking. Um, And so I wanted us to be thinking about what philosophies we have in life that then influence how we live. And so today we talked about there are lots of external forces that come into your life that tell you how to live. You have to discipline yourself to take God's view, not the world's view. And you all know that. You all understand what what you see and and how it impacts you. Um, and And then we talked about why, what are the spiritual challenges to living out this life? And the spiritual challenges is we are worriers. We worry about losing what we have, and we worry about not getting what we think we need. Um, right? I, I'm not the only one that worries, right? We all worry. And the presence or absence of money creates worry. So, how do we live out this lifestyle? And, and let me tell you the challenge that I want to leave with you guys for this week is this. I covered the first one of these today. I covered the first one, and that is this. We have to remember we have a Heavenly Father who cares for us, so we must trust Him. Would you take one of these a week? One day a week, take another one of these. And and there's only six, so you can skip a day. Um, But work through on your own what we just worked through about trusting our heavenly father. We We looked in Luke chapter 12 to what Jesus said, and that is if you're really rich, if you think your soul is fulfilled with this, you're off. And if you're really poor and you're worried about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna wear, think about the fact that I even provide for ravens and lilies, and it's a beautiful thing. So we looked at the first one together, trusting our heavenly Father. You know what the second one is? The second one is see that Jesus gave you the ultimate gift of life so we can follow him. The Bible talks about um, whoever follows after Jesus, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. He was a radical giver for us. And when you recognize that gift, you will want to follow who Jesus is. And then the third one, the third one is responding. Respond to the Holy Spirit's working in your life. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life is not something we create. So if you, if you look at all this and you say, I feel really guilty now about what I'm spending money on. Let me get that right. Or I feel really guilty about, you know, the fact that saving makes me feel really safe and secure. Let me get that right. Um, you're, you're, that's okay, but you may be missing that opportunity to truly respond to what the Holy Spirit would put in your life. And that fruit of the Spirit is a work that the Holy Spirit does. It's not something we can do. We can't just say, okay, be more loving, be more patient, be more kind. It's the fruit of the Spirit that works its way out. And by the way, that's why stewardship is not a one-time decision. You don't go home, sit down with your wife, get your budget right, uh, Bert says to give 10%, but I'm going to give 11 and I'm going to feel really good. And, and now we've checked that box and we can move on. No, no, no. It's like tomorrow, am I going to wake up and live a lifestyle of stewardship? Am I going to respond to people the right way? Am I going to grow in the Holy Spirit's working in my life? Stewardship is a way of life. It's not a decision. It's not like filling out a will or doing your taxes, right? It's a process. And so we want to respond to the Holy Spirit and then a big one, Proverbs 4 talks about this, how we need to guard our hearts, guard our hearts. Remember last week, we, we could put that little wheel up and that wheel, we often want the results right now. The disciples wanted results. Fix my budget and then I'll get results. And what Jesus was saying is, I wanna take you through a process and that process starts with your heart and then it starts with you remembering the work I've done, seeing the work I've done in your life, hearing about the work I've done from other people then the results come. Then the results come. So it starts in our heart. Another very, very important important piece. This is one you really need to study out. Number five, functioning in a community of grace. We need each other for this. We need each other to be wise stewards together. You need input from other people in this process, but you also need an opportunity to And God in his providence sometimes chooses these things for you. Some of you are sitting here today because God chose you to be here in this moment at this time. And in that moment, we need each other. We need each other to function within a community of grace. Um, We have a need for each other in our lives. And then the last one is kind of what I've talked about. Live an integrated life on mission for God's glory. So to kind of summarize, how you spend your money matters. And it doesn't just mean you're frugal. Like if you leave and say, I need to be more frugal. No, you know, some of you need to not be frugal and you need to honor people with a really nice gift. (laughs) Um, And you may need to spend some money on your spouse that you normally don't spend on them. Or maybe you need to take your family on a very nice vacation. But if those things all come with the desire to fill your soul, you're missing it. And and some of you want to be very good savers, and you recognize I don't save, um, and I need to. But if that saving gives you purpose and power and safety, and if you're constantly worried the way the rich man was, what am I going to do with this? Oh, let me tear down my barns and build bigger barns and have more and more and more. Because when I have more and more and more, then I can eat, drink, be merry. That's what the Bible talks about. Um, even in little small areas of our life, we do this every day, right? Let me get my homework done real quick, and then I can watch Netflix, you know? Eat, eat drink, be merry, you know? Um, uh, fulfill that, that desire. Um, because really what this is all about is it's all about responding to what God has done for me with a giving heart, with a giving heart. I want to give Yes, cash is super important. Like 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 that that's that's the awkward part of standing up here to say that kind of thing, right? Because it's still, you know, in in America and in our culture today, money is that's why we don't talk about what we make with each other, because it's so private and personal. It's all wrapped up in our identity. But but giving up some of that is very important, but that's not the only part of what this is. I'm gonna be a radical giver because I've what I have radically been given. So friends, we're going to pray, and then I think Ben's coming up afterwards, and um, just appreciate so much. Before I pray, I just want to again remind you, there are some really good resources in here. So if some of these things um, have, have made an impact, go to the back, open up those questions that are in the back of the booklet, and talk to those with your spouse and your family. Ask those questions of each other. What do you think of this question? You know, is it okay to spend money, to not spend money? You know, go through some of those questions. They're very um, probing. There's some books in there that if you want to read, but also there's quotes from those books that are very helpful that if you don't want to read a whole book, you can at least get the ideas of what's there. And then some of those QR codes that are listed, those are going to give you links to articles to read more about what is a, how should a Christian be saving? How do, we do a, how do we do budgeting the right way? Just some really practical things. I really want to encourage you to work through work through some of those. We want this to be very helpful for you. But we also want it to be impactful for your life of stewardship. So again, if you leave today and the only thing you get out of this is, oh, I need to give more money to Palmetto Baptist Church, you're missing what we've been talking about. You're missing a life of stewardship. So I'm gonna pray for us that we would um, recognize that. Let's go before the Lord. God, thank you for, even through your word, you talk about, rich people, and how in, in their minds, their soul is fulfilled by saving up and having ample. And God, that, that's in all of us. We, we have that desire. Um, we have that desire for safety and security that only can be filled through you. So help us to recognize that. But also, God, help us not to, to shy away from what you have given us. Um, many here have incredible resources that they use for great good. So God, help us not to be guilty about those, but help us to be wise and to use those well. And, and I pray that, we, that the six things we really discussed, I pray that we would trust our heavenly Father, pray that we would follow after who Jesus is and see his sacrifice for us, that we would respond to the Holy Spirit. God, help us to guard our hearts from all that the world says, Um, we need to be doing. And God, help us to to live in a community of grace um, to support each other in this journey. And then lastly, God, I pray that our lives would be integrated. It would be a life of stewardship, not just choices uh, that we make one time, but that this would impact how we serve each other in all aspects of our life. So help us to live an integrated life for your glory. uh, and, And God, help us to change As we see these things through your word, it's in your name we pray. Amen.